You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans. Zion is back edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Wednesday, only one more day to go before the Pelicans start their first of the eight seeding games and we get real meaningful basketball. We've got a lot to go over before that. We've got a tremendous update on Zion Williamson, exactly what I told you was going to happen. We'll dive into that. Is he going to play on Thursday or not? And is he going to have enough time to kind of build up to that? That's what we'll dive into in the first segment. Then we're going to look at look at Brandon Ingram and most improved. We did a poll of the locked on NBA hosts. We forgot to talk about this yesterday because we were too busy talking about the Milwaukee Bucks game. Let's dive into that a little bit in the rest of the locked on poll. And then finally, let's wrap up talking about some thoughts I have on the NBA bubble and how it's going to be different from what we normally see an NBA game like. And I think there's some interesting tricks and quirks to all of this, which might give it a degree of unpredictability, but I think we can kind of look at some of this and see how it might relate to the Pelicans. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So no need to bury the lead of today's show. There's been a lot made about the Pelicans 3-0 start, how good they look. I've said Brandon Ingram is maybe the key to this team going forward and has to be the man during the NBA's restart. But the most important story and the biggest story around the Pelicans, both in the short term and the long term, I think, is still Zion Williamson. He left the bubble to go deal with a family medical issue, an emergency one, came back and then recently went through his four day quarantine. And then it was tweeted uh, yesterday by Woj that he has cleared quarantine and he practiced with the team last night. Not Wednesday, last night. I had told you all of this for a couple of days now that depending on when the Pelicans have practices, and some teams practice in the morning, some teams practice at night, I don't know how they go about kind of scheduling all of that. But if the Pelicans practiced at night, and I mean, why wouldn't you if you could get Zion back for it, then Zion would practice. He cleared quarantine. He's going to, he practiced with the team and that's that. This is big because the team has been non-committal about him playing in Thursday's game against the Utah Jazz. Certainly they want him there. Certainly they're going to do everything they can do to get him there. And I think they're saying this, as I mentioned in yesterday's show, just to be a little bit cautious. They missed the time t- frame and timetable with Zion returning from the surgery he had this offseason. They've been very careful with him. I think they just don't want to deal with some of the potential blowback that could come from all of this. So they are being non-committal about it. But now he's going to go through a practice yesterday. He's going to go through another practice today. That's two practices plus a shoot around on Thursday. That's probably enough to get him in this game. Unless something really goes wrong or something has happened, I don't anticipate him being held out. Is he going to play 30 minutes Maybe not. Maybe not in game one. And it also might depend on the flow of the game and how close the game is. But could he play 25? Yeah, that seems to make a lot of sense. Could he play 30? Absolutely. I don't think you'll really see anyone go over that by a ton. Again, unless it's close and you just need to get the win. And this is absolutely, as every game is, a must win for New Orleans. But he should get some run out there on the court. He's too important to the team. He missed the three scrimmage games. If you can get him some quality minutes... 
And again, the practices they've been going through, getting up and down the court, playing a ton on five on five, and maybe, maybe going harder than any other team in the bubble has so far, nothing still recreates the flow of a game than playing. There's no other way to get in game shape than playing games. So now Zion's going to have gone through those practices, just waiting till the second game doesn't make a ton of sense. You want to get him reps in meaningful minutes that's going full speed. And that's where this game Thursday against the Utah Jazz is going to come into play. I expect he'll play. We've seen two great games between the Jazz and the Pelicans so far this season in the Smoothie King Center, basically like two classics of the year. Zion had that great preseason against Rudy Gobert. This is a good test for how good he is going to look. And is he much improved over the version of him that we saw in the regular season? So I'm excited that he's going through enough practice and enough shooting that he probably gets out there on the court again. What degree that he's going to be playing and remains to be seen. But this makes sense. And this is the Pelicans really being smart. If they can schedule a later practice, they did to get him more time out there. It's good planning on their part and really taking advantage of the situation. And so perfect. That is exactly, exactly what we want to see from this team. They know what they're doing. They are very well run. You'd hope any team that can do this, but I mean, given what we've seen out of this organization in the past, maybe it was a bit of a question, not anymore. They're doing the right thing by Zion. They're going to do the right thing to put the most competitive team out there on the court. And after a really good 3-0 and scrimmage preseason, whatever you want to call it, you know, you've got to integrate him back into all of this a little bit. So two practices should do it if he's going to be in the starting lineup. And I think we expect him to be there in the starting lineup. So I'm excited about this. I hope you're excited about it too. Zion's back. Everything's good. So we'll touch on Brandon Ingram and the rest of the locked on NBA end of season awards voting that we did, as well as looking at some quirks of NBA games in the bubble. But before we do that, I want to mention the Axios Today podcast. It's a great way to start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios host Nyla Boudou and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Get it wherever you get your podcasts from. So say it with me now, sports are back. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game winning shot, all wrapped into one. I love it, you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams, the Pelicans, and with the start of basketball just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about the Pels' chances? Maybe you don't like the Lakers, too. Be sure to check out MyBookie's future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with basketball? Maybe look at baseball a little bit, too. You can bet the future World Series bets as well. Smart bettors are always looking towards the futures, and you want to be one of them. Whether that is basketball, hockey, football, baseball, my bookie is already accepting bets on all of your favorite games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wa- uh, wager. That is free money right there. All you've got to do is enter the promo code locked on NBA when signing up. That's promo code locked on NBA when signing up. Remember at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet you win. They pay. 
So the voting period for the end of season awards has ended, and this is for your MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, and Sixth Man of the Year, along with all of the All-NBA teams and all of that. We don't need to try and project those because that can be a little bit tough, but I like looking at the end of season awards, and we did a poll of the Locked On NBA hosts to get an idea of what everyone was thinking, who was voting for whom, and out of 35 votes across our group, I think you get probably a pretty good representation of what things are going to look like when it comes to the actual MVP and all the rest of them awards. So let's start with MVP. We'll save most improved for last since that's the one that's closely tied to the Pelicans here with Brandon Ingram. MVP of 35 responses basically went to Giannis in a landslide. Only two people voted for LeBron James. He'll finish second, but I don't think this year is particularly close. People want to make it close. They want to try and kind of put LeBron in the conversation. It gives people more to talk about. But by no means is he even close to uh, Giannis in this one. I think that one is pretty easy to kind of just move on from. Defensive player of the year was also Giannis. He took down 65.7% of the vote. You saw Anthony Davis finish second, then Rudy Gobert, and then Brooke Lopez. So two guys from the Bucks. AD not getting a lot of love in this one. I liked him for this award potentially, but I ended up voting Giannis after really looking at some of the numbers. And now I actually don't think this one is particularly close either. Giannis has had that dominant of a season just all around that I think he's going to win both of these awards but to see Anthony Davis not really finish higher than he did with more than three votes in this one was a little bit surprising to me um, because I figured the LA kind of spotlight on things would help him maybe it doesn't with our locked on host maybe we all hate Anthony Irwin and locked on Lakers though he's a good friend of the show even with all the stuff that went on this past summer but not a whole lot of love there for Anthony Davis, which I found a little bit surprising. Six man of the year was also kind of a runaway in this one. It went to Dennis Schroeder of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. He's been great off the bench for that team. You'd like to have seen a little bit more defense from him, run that offense a little bit better. But off the bench, he's been excellent, and I don't really have a complaint about that one. Um, this is where you can get a number of guys with it. Montrez Harrell finished second, by the way, um, with Derrick Rose also getting some love in there, too. That was kind of interesting to see um, and the role that he's played for the Pistons this year. And then finally, well, not finally, let's, let's jump to Rookie of the Year first. 35 responses. How many do you think Zion got? I'll give you a second here. Pause for effect, right? He got zero in this. I, I'd love to give it to him. I just, you, you can't. I, you know, we had an episode talking about this that it's, it's John Morant. Zion's not going to win this. 19 games and a little over 500 minutes when John Morant's basically played three times as much as that. You've got to give it to him. It's an overall body of work. It's rookie of the year, not best rookie. Zion is absolutely the best player from this rookie class, but it's rookie of the year. It should rightfully go to John Morant. There's really no other question about that. So that leads us to most improved player. And this is where things get interesting because I've said there's a couple of names out there. I think there's three that are really going to be in the running. Brandon Ingram, We've talked about him. You've got Luka Doncic as well. And then Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. Those are the three guys. The other ones that I think you could throw in there make a lot of sense. I just don't think it's been as good as those main three guys we just mentioned. There's Jason Tatum. 
You also have Devontae Graham from the Hornets, who's been much improved this year. Norm Powell of the Raptors, too, I think. And then Christian Wood, formerly of the Pelicans, getting a lot of run with Detroit and really being able to showcase that the Pelicans might have made a mistake letting him go and deciding to keep uh, Jalil Okafor over him. But it's between those three guys. And Brandon Ingram took this one down, 34.3% of the vote. You had Luka Doncic finish second, 28.6, and then Bam Adebayo with 22.9. It's close. Ingram had a bit of a healthy lead in this one and margin of victory, but I don't think it's as cut as dry. Luka's really taken a step as a player and is leading a team that's not fighting just to get into the playoffs or for the eighth spot. They're solidly in at seven. I think that is a big deal right there for the voters on this award, seeing him kind of elevate that Dallas Mavericks team. Now, if Ingram had more time, these eight games counted, let's say, and the Pelicans got in, I think he probably runs away with this one. But that's not going to be the case. But he's had that signature game, 49 points in the overtime win over the uh, Jazz. I think you kind of look at him as a guy who's really taken a leap without a significant minutes increase. So he's just straight up improved his overall game, his efficiency. That separates him from a guy like Bam Adebayo to me, who's doing a lot more scoring and a lot more, you know, counting stats, but in significantly more minutes, almost double what he was playing last season. I think that hurts him just a little bit in this. It's not like he's just made a leap in the same amount of minutes. There's a difference there, but I've said to his credit, some guys don't make that jump. And the fact that he's able to, I think you need to give him some props for that. Just maybe not enough to win most improved player. So there you have it. That's the award winners from our locked on host poll. These guys all know their teams and follow the league really closely. I think this is a good barometer of what you're going to see the voting end up being when we unve- when the NBA unveils all of their end of season awards, whenever that's going to be, which thankfully won't be a month or two what it felt like after the NBA finals last season. And I think it'll probably mimic the percentages pretty closely in this one, too. All right, we're going to wrap up the show here in just a moment, talking about some quirks of the bubble and some stuff that's going to be pretty interesting when the games start to matter and get underway. But picking backing off the last segment, if you're looking to catch up on all of the bubble teams, all 22, I've forgotten a lot about what was going on. We've got a restart series running over at Locked On NBA right now. All 22 teams have about four minutes on each team for you over three days to break down everything you need to know. Where were they when the season left off? What's the outlook? Uh, how has it changed right now for these different teams? And what do they think is going to happen? What are the biggest storylines with everyone? It's a great way just to get a quick recap of where everything stands when the games start to matter. We've got it running. It started yesterday on Locked On NBA. It's today. It's tomorrow as well, leading up to the opening night of games. If you just need a quick recap on everything, go check out the Locked On NBA podcast. You all know I co-host on Wednesday. Not on there this week, but there's no better way to get caught up quickly on everything going wrong on around the league subscribe to the podcast locked on nba wherever you get your podcast from all right this topic was something that i kind of came up with talking to a couple of different people around the league and i was on the sports hangover on 100.3 fm yesterday with gus Catengill talking about how things are going to be a little bit different in the bubble and it's interesting you know you've watched the games on the pelicans.com streaming site or on fox sports in terms of the game the other night and it's different, right? It's got kind of a similar feel to an NBA game, but there's like something that's just a little bit 
different. There's no other way to really describe it. Whether it's the superimposed logos, the Pelicans logos on the court, while it was a Bucks home game, which kind of throws you off just a little bit with it. Um, and then the Bucks on their stream had their own logo superimposed on the court, which all of that makes sense. Like, I get it. It's just kind of weird. Things are a little bit different when it comes to this. So how might things be different, though, for NBA players and NBA teams? And... I think it's going to be kind of like significantly different. So first and foremost, us watching from home and trying to kind of do some analysis on it are missing one of the most important things. And I've talked to a number of people around their league about this in terms of scouting before, starting with like, wh- why do you spend all this money on scouts on the road, right? There's, there's some obvious reasons for that. But one of the things is, you know, why do front office guys travel around to watch someone in person when you can just watch the film of them, save the money, and not have that person on the road? Let's use it like that as an example. And part of it is, And you guys have heard me talk about this a lot on the show because I think it's something that's really important is watching how the bench reacts to that player when they do well in the game or something like that. Is the bench up there cheering for that guy? Can you kind of experience and see all of it? You don't get to see that all the time through a TV and watching film. You get that when you're there in the game to kind of see their interactions on the sideline with their teammates, with their coaches. How do they act in a huddle? We're not getting any of that by not being in the Smoothie King Center or whatever NBA arena anymore. And you lose kind of some of that stuff. I think we have a general idea of, you know, what Pelicans are really well liked on the squad and all of that by now. But it could throw things off a little bit. It makes some of the analysis that I do here that others do change just a little bit. That dynamic is slightly off. But then expand it even further. What about scouting? There's a lot of money into advanced scouting. A team uh, has a scout that travels ahead of that team and watches these games and basically sits behind the bench. There was a really good article written somewhat recently on the athletic in the athletic by Ethan Sherwood Strauss about this, where they basically sit behind the bench and hear all of the calls and hear all of the lingo and then basically translate that so that they can kind of then decipher it all and understand the plays that are being run, what the calls are, and then try and prepare their team with scouting reports for all of those things. If these scouts aren't allowed there, and we don't really know, you know, some players maybe are going to be allowed in to watch other games, maybe not. Do they take advantage of it? Do they not? Are scouts allowed in? Are they not? There's only a 35-person traveling party. You know, can they then scout out things and see if terminology has changed? Or are you going to have to rely on all of the scouting that you did during the regular season? And maybe if you don't have as robust of a scouting department or you hadn't gotten to some of the teams yet for whatever reason, how does that change the dynamic? Are teams more prepared? Are they less prepared? Which is what I kind of feel might be the case from all of this. I don't really know. It's something to kind of consider about how the scouting dynamic and film prep and all of that goes into all of this. Does that lead to better basketball because you, you're seeing more offense because teams' defenses aren't prepared? Or does it lead to maybe worse basketball, depending on how you kind of want to look at things? And I think that's a really interesting aspect of this. And then finally, one of the things that I'm going to be really curious about is shooting. You know, we see all of these guys in the offseason in empty gyms draining hundreds of shots. Rondo, Lonzo Ball will drain 100 threes in a row or something like that when there's no fans in there, when there's no distractions, when it's just kind of easy sight lines in the background. Whether that should affect them or not, it does, right? Well, you don't have a lot of that here. You know, when they're shooting, right now we're seeing the digital fans on the side. Some of it's behind the backboard, but is it that much of a distraction? If you don't have that one guy screaming right as Lonzo Ball pulls the trigger on a three or on a free throw, does it impact them? I'm not sure. And I think, 
Maybe you see shooting go up during all of this. That could be good for New Orleans, but they're already a good three-point shooting team. Fifth in terms of three-point percentage during the regular season. Sixth in attempts. Again, good percentage on a high number of attempts means you're an excellent three-point shooting team. They're pretty decent at defending the three-two. They're not elite by any means, but they're in the middle of the pack. Does that get worse for them, though? Do they allow a worse three-point shooting percentage or a better three-point shooting percentage in terms of the opponent? Do opponents shoot better, basically, against the Pelicans now? How does that impact the defense? These are all things to really consider in all of this that maybe change the way you approach the game. Now, the Bucks clearly didn't change anything with their approach and forcing you to shoot a lot of threes in the game the other night, so maybe it doesn't. But these are all questions that we don't have answers to yet because the games haven't mattered and no one really knows what we're getting into with all of this. You've seen Twitter recently reaching out to people asking if they can use their tweets to show on these big boards. The Pelicans sent out an email and posted about it, I think, saying, hey, do you want to watch a game on Teams with us and then get featured in the background of all of this? You can go and apply for that. How does that impact it? That's not the same as people being there, though. Do they make the same noises? Does that get piped in? All of these questions are still out there that we're going to get answers to, you know, in a day or so. I don't know how it's going to impact the game. I wish I did. But you know these teams are prepping for all of this. This is into that preparation and the planning that they all do because things are going to be different. And the most prepared team, the most mentally ready team might have an advantage over others and that's a really big deal something to just keep an eye on in terms of like quirks of the game little things you might not think about but could influence a basketball game one more made three in a game could potentially lead to a win for a team that shouldn't win you know and that changes the dynamic of the playoffs and everything all of a sudden so it's going to be really intriguing to watch i just hope opponents don't shoot better against the pelicans from three because that wouldn't be anything good and we don't want all of that so hopefully they just jump to number one in terms of three-point shooting and it doesn't work out for the opponents they'd be a little bit better i think all right that's going to do it for this edition of locked on pelicans thank you all for listening don't forget subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from leave a five-star review takes like 10 seconds and then tell a friend and then big thanks to my bookie for sponsoring today's show join today my bookie will match your deposit 100 plus a free 10 dollars mlb future wager all you got to do is enter the promo code locked on nba when signing up again thank you all for listening as always i'm your host jake madison at nola jake on twitter I'll be back with you all tomorrow for a game day.